Hey, Dr. Mike here. Would you like to reverse the effects of an aging brain? We'll stick around to find out how. You're listening to Live Foreverish, a show dedicated to helping you live just a little longer. Here's your host, Dr. Mike and Dr. Crystal Gosser. All right, welcome to Live Foreverish. I'm your host, Dr. Mike, and I'm with my co-host, Dr. Crystal Gosser. Hello, Dr. Mike. All right, so an aging brain. Here's the thing, Dr. Crystal. People are living longer, right? I mean, yes. we're living we're living longer, which means we have to do things to keep the brain healthy and keep it up to the the years that we're adding to our life, right? So I think this is actually a very important topic because at the end of the day, you may live longer, but who? I mean, you got to have a working brain. <laughs> <laughs> Very true, Dr. Mike. I mean, and, and it's, it's, it's about being able to continue to drive. It's about, you know, keeping your independence. It's about being able to, to travel. People are retiring maybe a little bit later than usual. They're in the workforce later. So you need your, your brain active to stay in the workforce, your brain active to be able to to travel and see the world. So yes, it's, yeah. it's something that's important. You know, a lot of people, I think, what do you, what do you think about this? If you were to give people a choice, so you're getting older, we're living longer. Would you rather lose, lose a function in the physical world versus the mental world? Like, oh like goodness. if you really, like, if you're going to live to a hundred, would you rather keep your cognition and maybe you don't walk as well? Most people choose the cognition. Oh, yes. That the, the old folks used to say, I woke up with a sound mind. <laughs> that must be your old folks, huh? <laughs> yes. Growing up, I used to hear that all the time. And woke and so, up with yes. a sound. But I think that's so true, right? I think there that rings true for a lot of people. So tell us what we've learned um, over the past few years about what actually is changing in an aging brain. Well, I think the most shocking thing that changes is to understand that the size gets smaller. It shrinks. Um, we also know, and this is, you know, according to the National Institute of Aging, you just have less communication between uh, the nerve cells. There's less blood flow to the brain. There's more inflammation in the brain. We call that neuroinflammation. Yeah. Uh, and those are some of the main changes that that occur. The shrinkage of the brain is, can be quite dramatic. Um, as you know, I was a radiologist and, um, you know, you could vary, you know, almost looking at a CAT scan or an MRI of someone's brain, you could almost guess what age group they were in simply, simply by the size of the brain. Wow. Because there's, there's a, there is a, a, there is a pattern of shrinkage decade to decade to decade. And I could look at a CAT scan and say, yeah, this person's probably in their 50s. Wow. And most of the time you'd be right. Um, and then you add on top of that things like dementia, specifically Alzheimer's, and that shrinkage can really accelerate. That is fascinating. Now I want I want an MRI, Dr. Mike. <laughs> I already know how old you are. No, I want to know if have I defied what typically happens like have. Yeah, I try to be pretty healthy, well, eat pretty healthy. I take omega threes. Um, and I get I know you good do sleep. All that. I know, I know you do all that, but I, th I think we have to realize So you laid out four things definitely can change. I don't think it's one of these things. I think they all kind of work 
in a way mm. together that ultimately can affect cognition and memory. So we you, we we said shrinkage. You said um, a decline in how nerve or brain cells communicate, right? Mm -hmm. And then you said decreased blood flow, and then you said inflammation. I think when you put all that together, that's the picture of of an aging brain. Okay, so you do everything right. Maybe maybe. Um, the only thing you have is a brain that shrank a little bit. Does that really mean much? I don't know. That's hard to say clinically, right? Yes. I think, you know, typical, the shrinkage, I, my understanding is it starts when you're in your thirties. Yeah. It starts young so, for sure. Yeah. It starts young sometimes. And when I say in your thirties, when you're younger and you're feeling generally, you're feeling good, you probably aren't taking care of yourself as well as you would once you start developing issues and then you start thinking whoa 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 i need to change my ways i need to eat better you know some yeah. people change their ways after they have been diagnosed with with an issue sometimes a little bit older and by by the time you're in your you know mid 40s 50s you've had some some shrinkage and then by the time you're 60 it could um, be significant yeah. yes the rate increases yeah so that, yeah. So what are we going to do about that? I mean, our, our, I know that we have talked about the the shrinking brain and we've linked that to um, cardiovascular disease. You even mentioned, I think at one point, maybe it was our Facebook live, you talked about excess homocysteine, right? Was that part of that as well? Um, what I guess, what are some of the reasons we think we're seeing this happen? Right. So excess homocysteine and homocysteine is a, a breakdown product of, of protein, um, and amino acid. That's, you know, the, those are the building blocks of protein. And so as you're breaking down that protein, you create homocysteine and homocysteine can be very damaging to blood vessels and it can build up in the body, especially if you don't have enough of your B vitamins. And so what we're, I'm seeing in the research, just kind of a the homocysteine seems to be in the literature, kind of all the literature related to the shrinking okay. brain. Yeah. It's tied to that. Yeah. Also B12 levels as well, right? There's uh, some, some studies showing association between B, B vitamins in general, I, I think specifically B12 um, and, and brain shrinkage. So right there, you mentioned other things, quality sleep, make sure you're getting your omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, and then of course, hey, take, take your B vitamins, which will help to control homocysteine as well, right? That's right. Let's talk about the communication between neurons. This is, uh, I, I probably have done more lectures on, on the loss of, of, I guess what we would call synapse health. And that's uh, the synapse is where those brain cells kind of come together and, and communicate, right? It's that mm -hmm. space between the brain cells where they throw out their chemicals and that's how they talk. And that's how we, you know, we call that the neural highway, how we lay down memory and, and cognition and all that kind of stuff. I've done several studies on the effect of the loss of, of those connections, the loss of those highways. Um, I think I think this is a big one. I think this is a big factor for a lot of people. Well, yes. And it could be due to um, just poor signaling in those highways or between those highways. Neurotransmitters are involved with helping to transmit the message from one neuron to another, um, sometimes due to um, not enough protein intake, uh, 
uh, due to not enough of the raw materials that's needed to kind of build those neurotransmitters, you start having neurotransmitter imbalances. Um, and, and when we talk about neurotransmitters, this is the serotonin, the dopamine, the GABA, um, the epinephrine, norepinephrine, the, those are examples of neurotransmitters and, and they are responsible for helping those neurons communicate. Right. So you could be, you could be losing. So way to think of it is two ways. You could be losing on one hand, the communicators, the messengers, right? right the neurotransmitters and, or you're also just losing the health of that synaptic environment where those brain cells are coming together. So it's probably a combination of just not healthy connections and a loss of neurotransmitter production. It's probably for most people, uh, uh, both of those. What about now really important form of magnesium can play, can play a big role here, right? Yes. Magnesium L3 and 8. Um, it is a form that can actively cross the blood brain barrier compared to other forms of magnesium that, that most people take in the conventional supplement. Uh, some incredible research with magnesium L3 and 8 at the dose of about, um, you know, 1500 to 2000 milligrams um, per day. And you're seeing research with helping to improve the ability to make decisions, the ability to plan, the ability to, um, to kind of clear out some of those um, proteins that can build up like the amyloid plaques and even mm -hmm. some of those tangles uh, yeah. in the brain or in the, in the, the nerve cell. Yeah. So that's magnesium three and eight. You can almost think of it as like the, the brain, the brain form of magnesium. Very important. Let's move on to the third one we talked about, which was the loss of uh, blood flow or at least optimal uh, blood flow in the brain. Um, what are some of the reasons for that? I mean, I, I think most people can probably make the connection that, you know, our vessels just aren't as open and wide as they used to be. Right. So there's probably just some blockage going on, but what, what are some of the other theories of why we're losing, um, you know, blood flow to the brain as we get older? Well, it could be, it could go back to homocysteine, Dr. Mike, um, homocysteine again, damages those blood vessels and that's what's transporting oxygen, transporting nutrients to the brain, to the brain. Um, you know, you lose blood vessel integrity and, and strength due to inflammation, um, and as well as, as you mentioned, um, maybe just the blood vessels are clogged with plaque. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, as you get older, most people have some atherosclerosis and it's not just in your coronary arteries, right? It's, it could be all over your body and it most likely is. And so, yeah, you probably got some blockage in some brain arteries <laughs> at the end of the day. Yes. And, and what that means is strategies to support uh, cardiovascular health or heart health, such as exercise, can also be helpful for brain health. We know that yeah. exercise uh, supports the formation of new blood vessels in the brain. So kind of new pathways for yeah, the I oxygen like and that nutrients. Yes. <laughs> and, and just, it generally increases blood flow. It can help to support um, nitric oxide production, which is going to help those blood vessels be more flexible. All, the, the point is we need nutrients. We need oxygen <laughs> to the brain tissue.
Yeah. All right. And so new speaking of nutrients for, uh, you know, blood flow, most of your berries, deep, dark colored berries, really, really awesome to help with that. You know, look at blueberry as an example. A lot of uh, these deeper, darker colored berries um, help to increase the production of nitric oxide, which allows the vessels to open up and can increase blood flow. And then maybe even I, I you know, I think a lot of people will find this surprising is moderate to heavy coffee drinking, right? I mean, I think that's um, very interesting. There's probably a lot of different theories of why that's happening, mm -hmm. but coffee, you know, it can be good for you. Yes, it's increasing blood flow. We know that, uh, you know, caffeine may have that effect, um, the caffeine and the coffee. So it's not just coffee. Um, in the research, they're also seeing just caffeinated beverages as well as coffee, which... Yeah is a caffeinated beverage. <laughs> <laughs> right. Very good, Dr. Crystal. That's nice. <laughs> Doctor of clinical nutrition right there. <laughs> what I'm saying, Dr. Mike, is tea, which contains caffeine, can also be gotcha. a good option. Yes, I got you. I got what you're saying there. Uh, we do know, believe it or not, um, most Americans get their antioxidants from coffee drinking. It's true. Well, a little crazy, but it's true. Me. <laughs> All right. The last one we talked that we that we mentioned was inflammation. This is the big one. I, I can't remember the exact year. I want to say it was in the 80s at some point, late 80s, early 90s, when inflammation, um, chronic inflammation was becoming more mainstream. And Time magazine did this whole article on Alzheimer's and inflammation in the brain and the the cover of the magazine was your brain is on fire. I feel like I remember that. Yeah. Time <laughs> magazine. I can't remember the year, but yeah. And, and, and that's so true. And, and what we've learned since then is yes, our, the standard American diet, the lack of exercise, the, the stress, you couple all that together and it's just an, an environment for increased inflammation and that's going to cause a lot of problems, right? So what can we do to bring down that neuroinflammation? We can support gut health, number one. Oh, good point. It all starts with, you know, health of the entire body starts with the gut. An unhealthy microbiome is quite likely the source of inflammatory signaling. Also, it can cause the blood-brain barrier to deteriorate. So now you have pathogens and toxins that are entering the brain, which typically that blood brain barrier would, um, would keep out of the brain. Um, and so yeah, supporting a healthy gut, of course, your diet, uh, monitoring or limiting the, the intake of omega six fats from red meat and dairy and eggs and, and really adding in the good healthy fats from olive oil and from uh, your fresh fatty fish like salmon. Right. That's a great way uh, to support uh, neuroinflammation and berries. There we it can, is again. We can berries. go back to berries. Yeah. I like that idea, the conversation of the, the different types of omegas, right? I mean, ultimately we, we usually mention omega three and omega six. Um, and, and again, it's not that omega-6s are necessarily bad. We just we just tend to eat way too much of them, right? That's It's an right. imbalance between the 6s and the 3s. And, um, you know, most researchers, when you look at 
the anti-inflammatory benefits of the threes versus maybe more of the pro-inflammatory properties of the sixes. You know, most experts say uh, at least a two to one ratio, maybe even some say three to one. You know, that's three omega threes versus one omega six. Where do you sit or stand with that? Well, I think realistically, and this is, I think it's realistic to aim for uh, a four to one, but ideal is one to one. Yeah. Okay. And if, and if we could get more people just to one to one, that would be a huge win. I mean, could, no, most Americans are like That's 16 to one. They're like 16 <laughs> omega sixes to one omega three. I mean, it is that high. It's crazy, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And so in an, I, you know, in an ideal world, one to one, but I think realistically a great goal would be four to one. You can, you know, test your omega six to three ratio with blood testing. The omega index is a great test to yeah. kind of give you an idea of what your ratio is. I, I I would love to see that test used more often. It's just a nice, it's, it's a nice little check into your nutritional status and how it relates to inflammation. And we know that that's so important now. Why? So why? I think that's a test we should do more and more and more. So there you go. That's um, shrinkage of the brain. That's, that's worsening brain cell communication for a variety of reasons. It's a little bit loss of blood flow, and then, of course, the chronic inflammation and, and the issues that we're, we're dealing with there. Um, all of that, put all of that together, and that's an aging brain. So hopefully you learn some ways to counter some of that, right, to reverse some of those effects. Dr. Crystal, your last question, if you could only do out now, put the food and nutrients aside. Okay. If you could only pick one thing to do to keep your brain sharp, what would you do? What I'm trying to do now is learn Spanish, <laughs> learn a new language. I think that's a great way. That is. I think learning a new language is fantastic. Um, learning musical instruments can be pretty yes. cool. Mm -hmm. um, I know there's some some life extension employees that have started using their non-dominant hand to do things like yes. write and yeah, I mean, stuff like that actually helps. It helps the brain to stay active and kind of yes. young. And um, so I agree with all of that. Learn learn a new language. I have a minor in Spanish. No way. Yeah, I okay, don't remember anything. practice. No, I don't Yay. remember anything. Oh, goodness, Dr. Over. Mike. Oh, and also <laughs> dance. Dancing. Dancing. All that sounds great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So keep your mind sharp. Uh, again, you're listening to Live Foreverish. Don't forget at liveforeverish.com. You can listen to a bunch of different podcasts, download, like, and share, and comment. We love to hear what you have to um, say. Um, and also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a show. That's liveforeverish.com. I'm Dr. Mike. Thanks for listening.